The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A bizarre religious artifact has scientists thinking this might be the real deal. And then we travel to Idaho to take a look at a bizarre ghost story that involves a haunted house. But this house isn't simply full of ghosts. The house itself seems to be from another world. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. You know what I'm doing? Spending some time with the family. Fast X. Fast X comes out tonight, if you're listening to this, on May 19th. Imagine me sitting in a movie theater, air-conditioned, hanging out with the family. Dom Toretto and the rest of those characters, John Cena and Jason Statham and Michelle Rodriguez. The whole gang's here for the last ride. Probably not. Probably not. This movie will make a billion dollars and they'll come out with another one. But... That's what I'll be doing this weekend. However, someone who has better plans than that, hopefully, driving into Dead Rabbit Command, living life a quarter mile at a time. Everyone give a round of applause for one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Get on your feet, rev your engines, and give it up for William Fontaine de la Tour d'Autriev. Woo! Yay, wee's doing donuts. He's ghost riding the whip in Dead Rabbit Command. William Fontaine, also known as Bill. I found this out after I uh, first gave him a shout-out a long time ago. That's a character from King of the Hill. I thought the name sounded familiar. William, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. If you are a member of the Patreon, we have another movie night coming up May 26th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And also, Patreons get the episodes ad-free. So those are two more advantages to join the Patreon. But if you can't do it, if you can't afford it, that's fine too. Just tell people about Dead Rabbit Radio. Really helps out a lot. William, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the bunny biplane. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Take us all the way out to Italy. <laughs> Flying all the way out to Italy. And also hit that time travel button right there. I hope you guys brought your tunics or whatever they wore back in the late 1100s in Italy. Probably still at least one tunic in the area. Hit that time travel button. Get ready to head back in time. Biplane flying above the ancient skies of Italy. If anyone looked up, they'd see us. But there's more pressing matters at hand. Clang, clang, swords are clashing. There's a battle below us. We're in the late 1100s at this point. And it's a t- there's a lot of feudal warfare going on. Knights riding on horseback. Let's go! Charge them and chop their heads off! Yes, sir! Cloppity, clop, clop, cloppity, clop, clop. All of the horses are riding across the battlefield. 
The enemies in retreat. Fall back! <laughs> Fall back! I think they're gonna chop our heads off! I overheard their secret plans. Run! But it's too late to get away. We see on one of these horses a man known as Galgano Giadotti. He's running with his sword ready. I'm gonna chop you up! I'm gonna chop you guys up real good! Ah! And they're running away from him. But he just kept going. He eventually waited till they all got cramps in their legs and chopped them up real good. Galgano was the son of one of these feudal lords, and he was a knight. He earned his way. Plus, there's probably a little bit of nepotism going on there. He's like, Dad, can I be a knight? He's like, yeah, sure. He was a knight. He's a very brutal soldier. But he began to have second thoughts about his life. Sure, he was draped in riches when he was at home. He was the son of a powerful leader. And on the battlefield, he was feared... But he starts to think, is there more to life than this? Maybe, just maybe, it's time for me to put away my sword and become a man of Christ. So he started having these thoughts about what he was doing. Also, also, he was having these thoughts. After one day he fell off his horse, he fell off his horse and banged his head pretty bad on the ground. And started having visions. What? Huh? Huh? He has a vision of little cartoon birds flying around his head. He's like, ah, are these angels? Galgano began to see visions. He was a Christian knight. He actually like, I serve the Lord, not just my dad, but the other Lord, the real Lord, capital L Lord. He was a Christian knight. But after he fell off, (laughs) after he fell off his horse and landed right on his head, he began to experience these visions. And what he would see is the archangel Michael descend from heaven. And he'd go, Galgano, you need to put your sword away. You need to stop fighting and start spreading the love of Christ all over Italy. Enough blood spilling. Now it's it's time to spill the scriptures. He's like, what? And then the vision would end. And he's like, oh, man. That was weird. And he kept having these visions. The Archangel Michael kept visiting him. And he'd be like, Galgano, why are you so violent? Stop being so violent. Why don't you just stop being a blood-soaked maniac just for a minute? Try it out. Turn your heart towards Christ. Become a hermit and spread his word. He kept having these visions. In one of these visions, he was on a hill. And there was this large stone there. And... Michael, the Archangel Michael, was in front of him, and he said, Galgano, you need to stop killing people, put away your sword, quit living this life of violence, and you need to get rid of all your earthly possessions, because he was, you know, he was a very rich and powerful man himself, and then his father's wealth and power. The Archangel says, you need to disown all of your earthly possessions and just walk around Italy as a bum spreading the word of christ and galgano's like you know what i might i might eventually give up you know stabbing people in the heart but i cannot give up all of my riches i cannot give up all of my wealth he said he points to the stone on the hill and says it will be easier for me to cleave this stone in half than it would be to give up all of my earthly possessions and when he says that he pulls out his sword And he slashes at the rock, and his sword goes right through it. It was as if he was cutting water. The stone just separated in two. And it was just a vision, right? He wakes up, 
And he goes, okay, that was weird. I mean, not super weird. I mean, cutting a rock in half with a sword is impossible. But, you know, also I've been having these visions of angels ever since that traumatic brain injury. I can't give up on my earthly possessions. It's just visions aside. Sure, I had a vision where I cut a rock in half, but it's not real. It's not real. (laughs) He's hugging his money. He's like, you're the only real thing for me. Well, one day he was riding his horse and his horse just kind of got a mind of its own and started taking him through the Italian countryside and it took him up to Monte Siepe. And that's in a place known as Chusdino, Italy. And the horse takes him up there and as he's getting closer to the hill, he's like, uh, I've, I've seen this hill before. I saw this hill in this dream where I cut the rock and there's the rock. There's the exact same rock that I saw in my vision. The horse takes him up there, which and he wasn't trying to get there. And he dismounts from his horse, and he's standing there, and then all of a sudden, he realizes this is where he was supposed to be all along. He he feels this pull in his heart. He feels this strong pull to plant a cross at this hill. To mark that this is the place where he has decided, yes, no matter where I go in life. I am not in charge. God is. Like, God led me up here. I never would have come up here otherwise, but God led me up here using my horse. And using my traumatic brain injury spoke to me. There's no point in fighting it anymore. I have to give myself up to God. And he was moved to plant a cross on this hill, but he looks around and there's no trees. So no tools, right? You need some saws. You're going to, it's a bit of a construction project to build a cross, but he realizes his sword is a cross. And this would be the end of his warmongering. So he took that sword out of his sheath and fueled by his faith, fueled by his knowledge that all things were possible with God. He walked up to the rock he had seen in the vision, pulled his sword high and thrust it into the stone. And the sword just slid right into it. Almost all the way down to the hilt. Just like his vision, it was as easy to cleave as running your hand through water. After that, he did dedicate his life to Christ. He became a hermit. And they eventually built an abbey on this location. The Abbey of San Galgano. And he the reason why they call him San Galgano, because he ended up becoming a saint. He died shortly after this. He's getting attacked. He's like, oh no, I left my sword on the rock. No, he just became a, a peacemongering hermit walking around. But eventually he did pass away a couple years later. And the Pope very quickly made him a saint because he thought he was a good example to Christian knights. Maybe don't, maybe don't be brutal killing everybody like this guy. He did what he needed to do, but it took a little bit too far. <laughs> I forgot to be honest, it took a little too far, the Pope says. Then he turned his heart truly to Christ, became a hermit and spread the word. We're going to make him a saint as soon as possible. Now, generally you become a saint, it takes a while. You have to have a certain amount of miracles, but his miracle was pretty apparent to everyone. It was the sword and the stone. You could actually go up and see the sword lodged into this 
giant rock, and they built the Abbey of San Galgano around it. But eventually, you know, as time passed, everything like that, the Abbey stopped being used, and now it's just a set of ruins up there. You can go visit it. The rock with the sword in it is no longer there. When the Abbey shut down, they moved the rock to Monteseppe Chapel in Tuscany, and the sword's still in it embedded into the rock and you can visit it today maybe not today they might be closed today but you can visit nowadays so again you're like okay so there's a stone with with a sword you can see the sword handle and some of the blades sticking out of this rock it's a forgery it's a forgery you say well it's this is such an interesting story because we do come across stuff like this uh religious artifacts Religious icons are very popular in the Catholic Church, which is what he was a member of. They're very, very uh, popular in that you have, you know, pieces of the cross going around, fingernails of saints. We covered a story a long time ago, I'll put it in the show notes, where there was one church that claimed to have the foreskin of Jesus. I'll put it in the show notes so you can check it out. They're very into their artifacts. The relics would be the proper term. And whenever you have a religious claim like this, like you can look at the rock, you can see the sword sticking out. People want to test this stuff. Because obviously the story is not true. It's impossible to stick a sword through a stone. Despite what that animated owl told you, it's impossible to stick a sword through a stone. But here you see a sword sticking out of a stone. So scientists have studied this. And one of the and this was interesting because of course you're going to have people who doubt it and that's fine you're you're allowed to doubt things you're definitely allowed to question a story that is seemingly impossible there is a chemist named Luigi Garlicelli and he works with this group called the Italian Committee to Investigate Claims of the Paranormal this isn't a ghost hunting group when they say investigate claims they debunk them They come out and they look at these relics and they go, well, this is how this is possible. This is how you could think that this was a miracle, but it's not. And one of the most famous relics that he looked at was the Shroud of Turin. That's the blanket, the cloth that was laid over Jesus, Jesus's face and shoulders. And it's the perfect image of him on the cloth. And there's been a lot of debate over whether, and I think we've done an episode on that as well, whether or not that's real and he says no he goes it's too perfect of an image it's almost like it's painted on and he's replicated what it would actually look like if you put a piece of cloth over someone who was just laying there so he's debunks a lot of this stuff so when you have this story about a sword and a stone that's impossible and it's connected to a (laughs) it's been connected to a guy who had visions after he fell on his head off of a horse you could say We know nowadays that person would be in hospital for quite a while and would probably have treatment for many months or years afterwards. Starts having these visions. It sounds like a legend. Sounds like it was made up. This is a forgery. So he goes out. He's actually, Luigi's gone out and he's tested this thing. Now it's interesting because you have a scientist coming in and looking at this. He tested the blade and the handle And he goes, iron, it's an iron sword. He goes, iron, you can never unambiguously date it. You can never say 100%, like through carbon dating or anything like that, like it came from this period. We can't use any sort of test like that. However, 
looking at the way the sword is constructed and looking at the chemical composition, like when we go into the sword, we see this metal slag. I guess he's taken samples. He might have done the work there. Or he might have had to take it back to his lab, but he goes, knowing what we know, the composition of the sword, the way that it's built, this sword is from the late 1100s. But what that doesn't really tell us anything. So let's go into the rock and figure this out. And Luigi was given permission to drill into the rock and take a sample from the hidden part of the blade. So you know the sword sticking out. You have a little bit of blade in the handle. He goes, if, if, for all you know, that's it. For all you know, there was just like, it was, <laughs> all you know, it was a dagger that was wedged in there really good. They drill into the rock and he finds a piece of the sword that is inaccessible. You can't see this part of the sword. It's deep in the rock. He goes in there. He takes a sample out. And he analyzes that. And he goes, this part of the sword is also from the 1100s. He goes, this part of the sword, this, when we analyze this little piece that we took a sample off from inside the rock, it also was forged sometime in the late 1100s. And it is from the same sword. Meaning the hidden blade deep in the rock is the same as the part of the blade you can see in the handle. He goes, there's no question about it. It was actually all forged at the same time. So this is, in fact, a sword that was thrust into the stone. Now, Luigi's not saying, oh, I believe that the stone parted like water, that I believe in the visions or anything like that. But somehow, scientifically... Luigi proclaims, scientifically, somehow this guy got a sword into this stone and got it deep enough, but I can't explain it. I don't think it was a miracle necessarily. I'm not going to go that far, but it is a sword from the late 1100s, mid 1100s, the late 1100s, and the part of the blade we can't see is the same sword of the part we can see. So you have that. What's an even odder detail? It's not just the sword that's on display at the chapel, but there's two human hands, two mummified human hands as well. So it's all under glass. You can go to this church, and then later on you can see two uh, two human hands next to the sword and the stone. And the story is that people have tried pulling the sword out to steal it over the centuries. One man did it. One man tried to pull the sword out to steal it. And wolves came out of nowhere and devoured him whole, except for one hand. They left one hand there as a warning to any other thieves. Well, it wasn't that great because someone else tried pulling the sword out at some point. And as they were trying to pull the sword out, lightning struck them and completely obliterated their body, leaving only one hand. So when you see this sword, there's two mummified hands next to it from two different people. That's, again, the chances the chances of in old-timey Italy that you would be up in the middle of nowhere trying to pull a sword out. Because it was there for a while, right? Before there was the abbey, there was just a sword and a stone up there. And some people say it was, it was other monks at the abbey who were trying to steal the sword. But the chances of being beset upon by a wild pack of wolves... 
in Italy around this time period is probably pretty high, right? So, but what are the chances of them leaving a hand? So again, you're looking at these things and you hear this story and Luigi looked at him as well. He goes, we have this sword. I can't 100% like carbon dated and tell you when it was made, but based on the materials, I can tell you that this was made in the mid to late 1100s. Let's take a look at these hands. So he did carbon date the hands. And he said both of these hands also seem to be from around the late 1100s. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting story because you, it, when I came across it, I thought either they've never tested this because I've seen this with other stories like this. They've either never tested it because scientists are like, well, that's dumb. We're not even going to waste your time. Or they tested it and the results will be inconclusive. And this one, one of the leading debunkers in this field tested it and said, he does not say that the miracle is real, but he goes, these are real items of the time. He does not make any, he doesn't go, oh, well, then he must have stuck it through and the Archangel Michael turned the boulder into a wall. He doesn't say any of that. He just goes, it checks the sign, the, the timeline of the story makes sense. He's not saying the miracle happened. But you have to imagine, I mean, this guy, he, I was reading an article about him and he was talking about other things that he had debunked. I'm sure when he packed up his gear and went out to this chapel in Tuscany, he's like, oh, okay, this is going to be easy. Like, I'm only going to find half a sword. I'm going to find out that it's a hilt wedged in there really, really good. And the hilt's from like the 1400s. Or maybe the hilt's, maybe the hilt is from the late 1100s. But there's no way there's a sword in there. Those hands are just gross. I'll, uh, I'll test those as well. But, And I imagine as he was looking at all this stuff, he probably was thinking, I don't know how this is possible, but there is an entire sword in this stone. And he was probably thinking of ways. He goes, maybe it was already cracked. Maybe the sword was wedged in there. Really, really good. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that. But you have to think in the back of his brain, he probably was considering the fact that some miracles might be true. Not all of them, but some of them. It's an interesting, I thought this story was really, really cool because it's, a cool story to begin with about this guy leaving behind his violent past and taking a new life, even late in life, right? It's never too late to change. You have just that human interest story. But then the idea, of, if it was just that, about a warmongering, a bloodthirsty knight who banged his head and started having beautiful visions of angels and then stopped being a soldier stopped being a knight and became a hermit that in and of itself is an interesting story but to have really evidence in a way right you might be able to say this that or the other thing how the sword got in the stone and some people believe that this is the inspiration for the arthurian legend the story of the sword and the stone to have a legend like that that you know that obviously the catholic church doesn't consider it a legend they say no this actually happened but to have this story, which sounds impossible, which you could go, yeah, if you if you fall off a horse and hit your head, you're probably going to start hallucinating. But then when you have this sword in the stone that is one complete sword, 
deep inside of this rock. It's just it's an interesting story from a legend standpoint. And then when you have physical evidence that backs up the legend, which is rare, it doubles as both a human interest story and a story of a religious miracle, a symbol that it's never too late to give up your past. In fact, it's as easy as sliding a sword through water. William, I want you to go ahead and hold on to those carbon copter keys until next episode. We're going to have you back because I like to have all people I'm giving a shout out to have a chance in the carbonate copter seat. I know this episode's running a little short, right? It's 25 minutes, but the second segment, the haunted house segment, I've already recorded unedited. And there's not a lot of edit out of it. It's a really interesting story. It really goes in a lot of cool stuff. Um, unedited. It's itself probably about an hour long. It's too long to edit and fit into this episode and do the story justice. I would have to chop it to pieces to be able to fit into that kind of that 45 minute, 50 minute tops window. I mean, the episode right now is already longer than the, that one story is longer than a average Dead Rabbit Radio episode. So we're going to save that for next week because listen, I want the show to not be rushed, right? I want quality. I want quality. You're like, Jason, uh, maybe you should learn how to pronounce half the words you say. Um, now nah, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to chop it to pieces just to get it into, I'd rather have a shorter episode. You may not, <laughs> but Jason, oh, come on, man. I want a little full length episode. You, you may want a full length episode, but I'd rather have, I'd rather not like do it a disservice, right? I want you to guys to hear the story. <laughs> I'm really hyping it up. You guys are going to be like ghost house, ghost house. And you're going to hear it. You're like, well, that's, that's. That's what he cut his episode short for on a Friday. So I apologize for the short episode. We are going to end it there. And I'm going to ask a favor from all of you. Please, please, please. I know I say this every episode, but it really, really means a lot. Spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. If you hate the show, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone if you hate the show. Keep it to yourself. Don't tell anyone about Dead Rabbit Radio. The show will slowly fade away into obscurity and then disappear. And you, and all of your dreams will come true because you hate the show. But if you don't want that to happen, if you want to guarantee future seasons of Dead Rabbit Radio, if you love the show, if you love what we're doing here, what we've done over the past five years, you and me, spread the word. You see someone online asking for a podcast recommendation? Dead Rabbit Radio. You see someone asking for YouTube channels about the paranormal? Dead Rabbit Radio. Get the word out there. You see someone looking for a cooking channel? Dead Rabbit Radio. Get the word out there because that way we can guarantee the future of Dead Rabbit Radio. And that's what I'm always looking toward is the future. If you don't like the show, don't tell anyone about it. The show will go away. But if you love the show and you want it to stay, please get the word out about Dead Rabbit Radio. We have flyers in the show notes you can print out. You can make up your own flyers. Or you can just type three words online dead rabbit radio and we can all look forward to a long future of america's favorite (laughs) america's favorite podcast they haven't heard about yet and el salvador's favorite podcast that they have heard about dead rabbit radio dead rabbit radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash dead rabbit radio tiktok is at dead rabbit radio Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so, 
So, so glad you listened to it today. Remember, family comes first. Fast X, May 19th. Join them all, Ludacris and Tyrese, Dom, and John Cena. That's the only character's name I know is Dom, but Dom and John Cena and Tyrese and Michelle Rodriguez, Charlize Theron, and Jason Statham, and Jason Momoa. Uh, go, 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 go watch that movie and in the middle of the most action-packed scene, stand up and go, Dead Rap Radio! <laughs> when you get kicked out of the movie theater and you appear on the nightly news, I will thank you for that. But don't really get kicked out of the movie theater, but really do go see Festex May 19th, only in theaters. Have a great weekend, guys.